Hello, and welcome to another short box from Warhammer 40K's Grim History from the Beyond. I'm Zekthar, and this week we'll be talking about the light before the darkness of the Horus Heresy. That's right, we'll be discussing the Great Crusade. And this week we're going to talk about one of the last battles of the Great Crusade, the Chandok's Campaign. Now, while the Chandox campaign does not herald the end of the Great Crusade, it is one of the last documented cases of imperial might for the Horus Heresy. Shortly after the triumph of Ulnor, the Primarch Jagatai Khan and his 5th Legion were next sent to the worlds of the Trinary Chandex system in 000.m30. The Triple Star system was composed of the planets Epelikon, Terrace, Chandex, Henderol, Lyrtax, and Femus IV the furthest of the outlying worlds. The culmination of this campaign took place upon the dead world of Chondex, labeled Chondex Primus, EX5, 776NCXS, by Imperial Cartographers, but named the White World by the White Scars. This White World was the crucible of the whole campaign, the nexus of those green-skinned forces that had chosen to go to ground in the star system after the defeat on Olinor Prime. The Great Khan was ordered by the newly promoted Warmaster Horus to hunt the remnants of the Orc Empire, destroyed during the Olinar campaign, and last slivers of the overlord Urlak Uruk's greenskins. Now, some would say that the entire campaign was orchestrated by the treacherous Warmaster Horus to keep the White Scars far away from the Imperial's core. While he enacted his rebellion, Horus did not wish to destroy the White Scars, viewing them as future allies. Yet, to tell you the truth, I think this is what eventually evolved into reality. And what I mean by that is, originally, I think Horus truly wanted the worlds to be purged by the White Scars of all the Xenos. But after his fall to chaos, he used this distraction to keep the Khan occupied, until he could convince Jagatai Khan to his side. This fits better with the narrative that Horus did not fall to chaos until Davin, which took place after he sent the White Scars to Chondak's system. Once he had fallen to chaos, Horus knew that the Scars had to be dealt with, and used the crusade against the Greenskins to delay the Khan. The battle in Chondex began when the Imperial vessels swept aside Orc fleet assets in the area, losing the Imperialis Armada light cruiser Forsworn in the process. The Scars subsequently made planetfall on Chondex Prime, targeting the Orc fortress known as Black Blight with the Legion's Karash Terminator Elite. The Karash conducted devastating but surprisingly swift hit-and-run attacks on green-skinned defensive positions. Meanwhile, occupying Imperial Army siege units of the Charonoid Sentinels were tasked with breaching the fortress walls. After a six-hour battle, the orcs broke and retreated into the forests of Chondex. Despite this early victory, the campaign to root out the orcs would last seven more years, and heavy Imperial losses. During the campaign, the White Scars had received little to no communication from the wider Imperium, but this changed after the discretion of Tenebras Station 9-50, which allowed Jagatai Khan to finally receive some guardable astropathic communications. Instead of getting valuable information, however, the High Command was assailed by disinformation. Through garbled astropath messages, the Khan received false information that Lehman Russ had turned renegade and was igniting a civil war on Prospero. The message included direct summons from Horus himself, giving credence to the tale. Simultaneously, however, the Scars received messages from Rogel Dorn that stated Horus had turned against the Emperor on Estevan III. As the Khan was racked with what decision to make, the White Scars discovered their route out of the Chondak system, blockaded by an unexpected arrival of a portion of the fleet of the Alpha Legions, a brother Space Marine Legion whose loyalty in the new conflict was unknown to Jagatai Khan. The White Scars found themselves hemmed in and unable to maneuver for warp translation by the task force commanded by the Alpha Legion Primarch Omegan, who was under orders from Horus to peacefully offer the White Scars an opportunity to join the traitor cause. 
However, instead of opening communications, the Alpha Legion fleet moved to attack, holding back its battleships and cruisers, but allowing its escort vessels to assault the White Scar's fleet, unprotected by the larger capital ships, leading to heavy losses. The Great Khan, leading the defense of his fleet from the command throne of his flagship, Swordstorm, found the Alpha Legion's actions completely baffling, but took advantage of the disarray to skillfully execute a fleet formation known as the Chisel, which smashed a wedge in the Alpha Legion fleet and allowed the White Scar's fleet to escape into the warp to begin the long journey back to Terra in search of answers for what was ripping the Imperium apart. Having received conflicting accounts of who had betrayed the Emperor, the White Scar's fleet set course for Prospero, who Lehman Russ claimed to have assaulted on the orders of the Emperor after they had violated the edicts of Nakia. Satisfied at what he found there during what became known as the Second Battle of Prospero, the Great Khan eventually did his duty and made the long journey back to Terra to aid in its defense. I must note, especially because we have been discussing in detail the Alpha Legion, that later Primarch Mortarion would remark that something foul had taken place on Chondax, as Horus's original orders for the Alpha Legion were to recruit the White Scars to the traitor cause. Instead, under orders of either Alpharius or Omegan, they had unleashed an unexpected and ineffectual attack, avoided any attempt at communications with the White Scars, and kept the White Scars occupied until they could receive a message from Rogel Dorn, warning them that Harris and his allies had turned upon the Emperor. Indeed, the only reason this message had been deliverable through the warp in the Chondax region of space was because Omegan had dispatched an Efreet stealth squad to destroy the Cadian Pylon-type Xenos construction located at Tenebra 9-50, an asteroid facility garrisoned by the Alpha Legion that was blocking astropathic communications from Terra. It seems that Alpha Legion, or at least elements within it, had wished for the White Scars to remain true to the Emperor and join the Loyalist cause. Now, before I end this Vox, the second battle of Prospero must be addressed. Now, I could spend the whole Vox on this battle, but instead, I wish to tell you of its end. Like I said before, Jagatai Khan had found his answers on the burnt landscape of Prospero, and the Great Khan was in the midst of gathering his warriors, preparing to leave. The clouds above them began to glow. A vibrant shard of light speared down from the smog, crackling as it hit the stone below. His guard turned to face it, powering up their weapons, yet Jagatai Khan told them to stand down. This new arrival was someone he knew, and the stranger was far beyond them. How could he not be? For it was his brother, Mortarion, the Death Lord, Primarch of the Death Guard Legion. Watching the ash settle and the residual snags of ether burn ripple into nothing, seven figures within the maelstorm emerged. Six of them were legionnaires, part of Mortarion's elite guard, the Death Shroud. They were clad in pale, thick slab Terminator armor and carried a huge power size known as Man Reapers. The seventh figure occupied a different order of power. He towered over his fellows, clad in battle plate of bare brass and corpse white ceramite. A long cloak of green hung down from high-rimmed shoulder guards. Skulls dangled from chains around his belt, some human, some Xenos. A long pistol nestled among them, drum-barreled, and studded with bronze kill marks. His eyes were amber, glinting from under the deep shadow of a tattered cowl. An ornate rebreather covered the lower half of his face. Coils of oily gas spilled from the lining of his battle plate, dribbling down the skull-painted surfaces and hissing on contact with Prospero's death-dry soil. Mortarion planted the heel of his enormous scythe into the dust. The Khan looked up at the blade. It was known as Silence the greatest of the 14th Legion's infamous man-reapers. Mortarion proceeded to explain the reason for his recent arrival. 
He told Jagatai that he had sought him out, for things had changed. Jagatai realized that his brother had come to persuade him to join the traitor Horus's cause. The Khan observed him guardedly, for Mortarion had always been hard to read. He left his blade unsheathed, holding it loosely at his side. Observing the physical changes of his brother, he noticed that Mortarion's power seemed to have grown. Something burned in him, dark like old embers. His flesh was somehow bleaker, his stance a little more bent, and yet the aura of intimidation around him had been augmented. Back on Ulinor, even at the height of triumph, he had not possessed quite the same heft. Jagatai commanded his brother to say what he had come to the ruins of Prospero to say. The Khan correctly surmised that Horus had not sent Mortarion. He had come on his own accord, and with his own agenda. The Death Guard Primarch attempted to sway the Khan to Horus's cause, to imagine himself a galaxy of warriors, where the strong were given their freedom to act as they would, unbound by the Emperor's demand. Yet the Khan was no fool, and of course this new galaxy would be led by Horus. Mortarion merely shrugged. Horus would be the start of a new order. He was the champion, the sacrificial king. He might burn himself out to get to Terra. He might not. Either way, there would be room for others to rise to power over the galaxy to come. Mortarion told his brother he hated the Emperor's hypocrisy. Their father had tried to pretend that it was not there, the warp, as if he was not already up to his elbows in its soul-sucking filth. In Mortarion's opinion, it should have been cordoned off, put away, forgotten about, but the Khan was not fooled by his brother's sincerity. He had seen what had happened. The Death Lord had never hidden what he'd wanted. Jagatai could see how his brother thought it would all play out. First, hobble the sorcerers, silence the witches, drive them out, and rule would pass to the uncorruptible, the healthy. This was Mortarion's great project. He'd even told the Khan on Ulinor. The Khan had thought back then that it was an empty threat, but he should have known better. Mortarion did not make empty threats. But it had all gone wrong. Though Mortarion had completed his great mission, and the Emperor had handed down the Edicts of Nakia, forbidding the use of sorcery and the disbandment of the Legion's Librarius, there had been more sorcerers than ever amongst the ranks of the traitors. Mortarion was surrounded. He had destroyed the Librarius of the Legions, only to find witches were now in throngs amongst the traitors. The Khan had seen the overall picture perfectly. Magnus had shown him. Jagatai warned his brother that though his legion might be free of the warp's corruption for now, the change would come, for Mortarion had made his pacts with the Masters of Chaos, and now they would come to collect. But the Death Lord explained that this is why he had come to find Jagatai. Mortarion had run out of friends. Who would stand with him against the mages now? Most assuredly not his brother Angron, nor the half-mad Conrad Kurz. The Khan gazed at Mortarion disdainfully as he made his complaints. His brother had tasted the fruits of treachery and found them bitter. The Khan did not wish to be dragged into his brother's ruin. Mortarion was on his own. Struggling to contain his anger at this response, Mortarion warned the Khan that he hadn't come to give his brother a choice. Their father's time was over. The Khan could either be part of the new order that replaced him or be swept aside in its wake. The Khan merely smiled in retort, a cold smile, imperious in its contempt. Jagatai explained that the reason neither one of them would ever rule the galaxy is that both of them were never the Empire Builders. They were outriders. Mortarion had chafed at his role, while the Khan had embraced it. Enraged, Mortarion backed away. Silence crackled into life, sparking with green-tinged energy. The Death Shroud lowered their size in a combat posture. Behind the Khan, the Kashig readied their blades. 
The Khan prepared to settle their argument once and for all. The two Primarchs circled one another, preparing to finally engage in a deadly duel that would decide one another's fate. Speed against implacability. An interesting contest. Though the Khan was blindingly fast, Mortarian's raw strength was phenomenal. Facing it full on, Jagatai doubted that any of his brothers, save perhaps Vulcan, could have matched it. The Death Lord absorbed every strike that connected, sucking the power out of the Khan's blows like a leech, taking the hits and coming back for more. As the Primarchs continued to fight, the Khan actually felt himself begin to tire. Never in uncounted years of combat had he felt more than trivial stirrings of fatigue. He had never felt the bone-deep drag that Mortarian inspired, but the Khan knew that his brother suffered as well. Blood flecked his shallow cheeks, and his rebreather rattled as he hauled in each thick breath. Fragments of armor flew like shrapnel. Gas exploded from Mortarian's store of vials as the glass shattered, nearly blinding them both. Blood flew in splatters, trailing across both combatants and staining their impeccable armor. As they hacked and countered, neither giving up so much as a centimeter of ground, blood wetting the edges of their blades as rich and dark as wine. Summoning up the last burst of energy, the Khan held position, panting hard, trying to drag up enough energy for one final clash. He held his sword poised, waiting for his enemy to move. One thrust, one perfect thrust, angled precisely. He had enough strength for that. But when Mortarian did not move, he stood rigid, as though suddenly listening for something. His scythe fell into guard. A thin cough broke from his mask which the Khan realized was an exhausted kind of chortle. So, the choice has been made. Mortarian informed Jagatai the respective starships were at war. The Death Lord refused to lose a fleet for this fight. He saluted the Khan mockingly, and spears of hard-edged light suddenly lanced down from above, bursting through the clouds, cover, and crashing to the ground. The Khan sprang forward, seeing too late what had happened. In an instant... The Death Lord and his retinue were snatched away, sucked into the vortex of the warp. The world's wind howled in their empty wake. The ash stirred. The lightning forked. Jagatai Khan let his sword dip towards the sand as he scowled up at the clouds. He had seen enough. Gathering his men, he gathered his ships and headed back to Terra in defense of the Emperor. Next month, per a request from a listener, we will discuss the Great Scouring. This event would take place after the defeat of Horus, and the Imperium trying to take back the conquered worlds of Horus. If you enjoyed this box, please like, subscribe, follow, and comment. And as always, <clears throat> until next time, this is Ekthar, signing off.